How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Let's all take five minutes to finish my story. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I, uh, are we recording? Yeah. Can we just welcome everybody back? <laughs> this is not. Gazzy's like, fuck you. No, we can't. To the creep dive. Thank you for listening. Okay. Right. Yeah. We'll just go into it. And I would like to thank people for giving us um, things to look at. Uh, suggestions in the DM- DMs. Thank you for that. You know who you are. You know who you are. Uh, you're not going to credit. So the person that I took a thing from last week is a person who's given me this week's thing. So okay. you didn't use enough actual nouns in that sentence. Oh right, sorry. So I didn't grasp it. The what? story. Things. The story. Okay. That I told last week. Well, it was just a snippet. You know the the, the WhatsApp message. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very it, funny. The same girl sent me. It remind. She sent me this, and I was like, I fucking remember this story. Oh my god. So I have I, you thank outsourced you. all your homework? Yes. But are I, you bullying someone I and making them do it for like you? Like I would have found this again naturally. She's okay. just on my wavelength you've just made a friend you've made a friend and do you remember last week Leanne's her name uh, hey I, Leanne she was Leanne 26 or something yeah and we were like uh, that must have been her age I wonder what age she fucking changed her name she changed her Instagram okay, name you're, you influenced her to change her name did, did she, she confirm change or deny it whether she's she changed, 26 she changed it to her I presume whatever her second name is do you want me to you sure it's not a different Leanne no I scrolled up and there was the previous message. She just so. changed the handle. Okay, so before we get into um, replacing Jen with Leanne on the creep dive, <laughs> we do have some housekeeping up top. I can't believe you're putting it up top. Absolutely. You've got to fluff them first. Do you no. give them a little bit of we have given them fellatio before hitting them with the... Tickle the... Hand me out. Hand me, hand me out. Hand, so we hand, hand, me, hand me job. <laughs> just That's literally what we're doing. Hand me job. We are basically going to give hand jobs to anyone who signs up to our Patreon. FYI, right? I've been going to a Protestant church for reasons that I won't go into. And, <laughs> for creepy reasons. And uh, they're handing around the hand me money bag. Twice. Uh, twice, yeah. That's what they do in the Catholic one too, right? But their one in the Protestant church is made of velveteen blue. <laughs> is, it not, is it one of those little bags? It's a velvet pouch. And it's got two the little, wooden things. Yeah, no, I've seen them before. They do them. They wh- they whip them out in like country Catholic churches. Yeah. So I totally overplayed this because it is true what they say. The line in front of me 
in that service. Not one fucker put money in that velveteen bag. I had two fivers. I had two. You gave a tenner. You couldn't make change. What do you mean? Was that what you wanted to do? No, make change? No, those people didn't give any money at all. Jesus. Couldn't believe it. Camp, don't know why we're talking that's, about this. That's big dick energy right there. They literally looked your one in the eye who was handing around the blue pouch and, and shook their head. Not today, fucking, not today, Susan. <laughs> Did they say, you know that line that you do for the charity people? Oh, I already give to Oxfam. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> have I just outed myself as the only person who does that? Is that your line? That's my line. I say, I've I, or, I already concern, give to you. I, I say, sorry, I'm with Oxfam. As in, I'm with, I've rejected you and I'm with Oxfam. And then if they're Oxfam, I say, sorry, I'm with concern. How interesting, because I say, I'm with you already. Ooh. And does they, is there any way of checking that? Does they check it? Does, does no. they check it? Un- Do they not have the facial recognition software yet? <laughs> Lying bitch. Um, anyway, <laughs> you, sorry. Friend, are again, a liar. We're up top here again, talking shite. Fuck Cassie, what we're trying to get to is, can you give us some money? Yeah, we've done it. Like we've created a Patreon, and um, because we need to earn money off this. <laughs> Silence. Uh, <laughs> it's no it's very mortifying. It. It's excruciating. Do you know what? Everybody does it, and I, I was like, we won't do it. We'll, um, we'll fund it in other ways. And then I started looking at the money the other podcasts were making on Patreon, and I was like, fuck, we will do that. Actually, <laughs> we will, we will do that gladly. And if people would so kindly, <laughs> please don't leave us hanging. Are you going to be able to see how little people have agreed to do this? What are we giving them? Can we hide that? TBC, but a TBC. No, it's if you know, you know. Merch. We're going to give merch. you merch. We're, We're doing merch. merch. But you have to give us money first so we can pay for the merch <laughs> up top, as you say. People love authentic content, and it doesn't get more authentic than this. Just give us your money, and we'll we'll come back to you with what we're going to give you back. It's how much, a very small amount. How much do we want? It's basically the equivalent of one cup of coffee that the three of us would then share, share per month for the rest of your lives. So if you've ever, but opt out any time, if you ever have enjoyed any of the shit we make, consider giving us a single americano. For us to share three ways. Okay. It's actually. And Jen backwashes, you know it. It's actually by her mic. less. It's, it costs less than a latte with oat milk, which is what my order is. Downstairs. Okay, great. Enough begging. Let's go on. Enough begging. Please uh, no, consider doing We were that. actually, we were, we've been talking about this and we were going to do every second episode behind a Patreon, but we decided not to do that because people love consuming the creep dive and we love that people listen to it. So we're not going to hide the content it'll still be accessible to everybody so but we'd really we appreciate <laughs> taking it away taking it away but we've decided not to then we got yeah. scared at losing our audience we trust you but instead we're going to do some cool merch and some of the people here have talents in that areas in that area <laughs> Jed's going to give everyone a free leather jacket I will crochet <laughs> you a creepy hat I will and write Sophie you will a knit book. you a scarf I will knit you a scarf or write you a book I will write you a personalised <laughs> novel of no less than 90,000 words <laughs> okay come on come on, okay, come, on. come on who's going first Do oh mind? sorry I it's patreon.com forward slash the creep dive <laughs> somebody click, click on that out. link you head on there now and I think the recommended amount was $4 a month. Guys, you can also you input. Feel. You can input your own money. What's that in euros? <laughs> €3.59. 
What are you spending on those fucking lattes? 360. 360, Cassie Lorraine. They're very good. I must tell you now, I've got a coffee machine at home as well, actually, I'm looking to get rid of. Oh, we'll get back to it after. What about for the studio here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I've got The only thing is, it's an espresso, so we need to do something about the old uh, footprint of those pods. Can, Can I, I recycle? But that's a different podcast. I have the be- I have a good. Uh, I have a. Good I'd love an espresso machine in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's yours. Deadly. Um, Jen, speed would you like to give us a? Thank God. Do it. Little Miss Lovett sat on her. Tuffet Wanking a dolphin all day (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that not good? That is good It's a bit harsh Do you want to hear my story? Yes I do Brought to you by Leanne via me Leanne thanks but Not to make it weird But I thought you were talking about Is it Anne Lovett first? Yeah 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 I thought it was a throwback to the Lovetts Oh no Okay anyway go on Totally different gal So we're, we're in the 60s Swinging. I knew it was more fun in here. (laughs) (laughs) So Margaret Lovett, she was part of a NASA funded project to communicate with dolphins. Right? Yes. This is just the beginning. Soon she was living with Peter, 24 hours a day in a converted house. Peter, inverted commas. Uh, So Christopher Riley reports. Wait, was Peter a dolphin? No. So, yes. What? Peter was a dolphin. (laughs) Yahoo! So, anyway. Uh, this this all went horribly wrong but on the way there <laughs> doesn't it, was, it always it was really good fun to read about so uh, Margaret Lovett grew up with stories of talking animals so she says there was this book that my mother gave me called Miss Kelly she remembers the twinkle in her eye it was a story about a cat who could talk and understand humans and it just stuck with me she says that there may be this possibility so unlike most children, Lovett didn't leave these tales of talking animals behind her as she grew up. In her early 20s, living on a Caribbean island of St. Thomas, uh, they took <laughs> on new significance. I know, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it though? Mm-hmm. We all left them behind, Margaret. You yeah. have to too. Some things should stay in the past. During Christmas of 1963, her brother-in-law mentioned a secret lab at the eastern end of the island where uh, they were working with dolphins. So she decided to pay the lab a visit early the following year. She was curious. Um, what age did she pay this time? 20s. Okay. Uh, I drove out there, she said, down a muddy hill. And at the bottom was a cliff with a big white building. So Lovett was met by a tall man with tousled hair wearing an open shirt and smoking a cigarette. <laughs> this man's name was Gregory Bateson, a great intellectual of the 20th, uh, 20th century. And he was the director. This, did he introduce himself as the great intellectual <laughs> of the lab? Why did you come here? He said. <laughs> well, I heard you had dolphins, she replied. And I wanted to come and see if there was anything I could do or any way I could help. Unused to unannounced visitors and impressed by her bravado, Bateson invited her in uh, to meet the animals and asked her to watch them for a while, write down what she saw. So despite her lack of scientific training, Lovett turned out to be <laughs> or any an training. intuitive observer of animal behaviour. And Bateson told her she could come back whenever she wanted. This so is an unpaid internship. <laughs> this is. <laughs> it's a little strange to... Like, Say it is, the least. It was a la- laboratory. It was a, like a working lab. What to island have somebody are we that, on again? Uh, St. Thomas, Caribbean island of St. Thomas. Okay. So there were three dolphins, remembers Lovett. Peter... Pamela and Sissy. Sissy. Worst dolphin names ever. I agree. Where's Flipper? Uh, Sissy was the biggest. Pushy, loud, and she sort of ran the show. Pamela. Sorry, Pamela. 
I know. And uh, Peter, it sounds like Peter, Paul and Mary. Wasn't that a folk group in the 60s? Oh. Anyway. Um, Pamela was very shy and fearful and Peter was a young... I read, I can t- I read this a million times. This is from... This is... Uh, you're one love of talking. Pamela was very shy and fearful. And Peter was a young gay. He was guy. He was sexually <laughs> coming of age. I genuinely actually thought and a bit gay. naughty. Yeah, okay. That's how I continuously read it. Okay, so <laughs> he was sexually coming out of age and a bit naughty, says Love It. Uh, the lab's upper floors overhung a sea pool that housed the animals. Uh, it was cleaned by the tide through openings at each end. So the facility had been designed to bring humans and dolphins into closer proximity. And it was the brainchild of American neuroscientist, Dr. John Lilly. So here Lilly hoped to communicate with the creatures, nurturing their abilities to make human-like sounds through their blowholes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it sounds amazing. And it was amazing. So there it was It sounds like that house on Grand Designs. It's... A, which what? one? Do you remember the one that's on the Thames and yes, it, it, floats, it up. floats up and down with the tide? It's an amazing house. I just want to talk about Grand Designs oh, any all old day. way that I can. Okay. Sorry. Proceed. Have you watched The Street? <sighs> Grand Designs The Street. The 10 houses all being done at the same time. What the fuck have I been doing with my life? Mm. I have not heard of this. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, you let's return to Peter, Pamela and Sissy. Okay, Lily... Had been. This is the guy, the neuroscientist, had been interested in connecting with, oh, I can never pronounce this, cetaceans, I think they're called. Uh, I can never pronounce it. Cita- How often are you saying it? I've, re- I've, re- I've, tra- I've practiced, okay? I've practiced this, this thing. Uh, <laughs> since coming face to face with a beached pilot whale on the coast near his home in Massachusetts. I can't say that either. Uh, 1949 the young uh, medic couldn't quite believe the size of the animal's brain and begun to imagine how inte- intelligent the creature must have been um, so so here, here he says you're talking about a time in science when everybody was thinking about a correlation between brain size and what the brain can do and in this period researchers were like whoa big brain huh cool John Lilly <laughs> so at every opportunity in the years that followed John Lilly and his first wife Mary would charter sailboats and cruise the Caribbean looking for other big brained marine mammals to observe it was on just such a trip in the late 50s that the Lilies came across uh, the marine studios in Miami the first place to keep the bottlenose dolphin in captivity up until this time fishermen fishermen on American the American east coast who were in direct competition with the dolphins for fish had considered the animals vermin they were known as herring hogs in most Vermin. of this, yeah, seafaring town. So they would obviously trail behind the fishing boats and just, they could also get through the nets. Anyway. They were wily. Yeah, clever. So for the fir- here for the first time, Lily had the chance to study the brains of live dolphins, mapping their cerebral cortex using fine probes, which he'd first developed for his work on the brains of rhesus monkeys. So unable to sedate dolphins as they stopped breathing under anaesthetic, uh, the brain mapping work, work wasn't easy for either animals or scientists. So this is why this dolphin Probably house... Probably especially was not for the dolphins. Probably. I love the way that they're like trying to bring the oh, scientists into the hardship. It so was sorry. very difficult for the yeah. scientists. Must have been difficult for them. Uh, so, Mar- so Mary Lovett was interviewed for this. This is a, I'm taking parts of this from a Guardian article. She was interviewed and she was 97 during an interview. There's also... A documentary I have to mention as well on BBC Four did it. Let me just get the name of it. It is so worth a watch. It's brilliant. And it is called do 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 fucking didn't take it down. Uh I'll come <laughs> back and tell you about it later. If you just Google BBC 
for documentary dolphins. Mary love it. She'll find it really easy. So where was I? Are you still with me? I'm with you. She's observing the dolphins. Okay, so now age 97, Mary remembers the day very clearly. It came in, uh, this is when she was coming into, sorry, I came into the top of the operating well, theatre. She remembers it. <laughs> she's remembering this <laughs> time. And she heard John talking and the dolphin would go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like John. And then Alice's assistant would reply in a high tone of voice and the dolphin would imitate her voice. Anyone want to attempt a dolphin there? Go on, Sophie. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> that was fucking amazing. <laughs> I went down to where they were operating and told them that this what, what was going on. That, so it, basically, she, this was blowing her mind. She was like, oh my God. The dolphins are fucking communicating. So perhaps John reasoned that this behavior indicated an ambition on the dolphins part to communicate with humans around them. <laughs> I really uh, want to go I back to John. Peter, the young gay. Sorry. <laughs> There's more about Peter. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, uh, the time passed and... Love it, Mary Lovett was trying to get involved in this and eventually they took her on. So she arrived to the lab. Uh, <laughs> this is the best. I know, she, had, she still had no I training. I work at NASA, so if I, I just go there on the daily. So the, the reason that they kind of took her on was through her, they called her natural empathetic nature. She quickly connected with three of the animal, the three animals. Mm. And she was eager to embrace John Lilly's vision for building an interspecies communication bridge. She oh. threw herself into his work. A utopian future where humans and dolphins can coexist, well, working side by side. Who knew? Who knew? Maybe. Maybe. So they were spending as much time with the dolphins. The dolphins would turn dolphins us into human slaves. As p- literally, yeah. As well, well, this one kind of uh, did. If you, and I've lost my. All right. So she threw herself into her work, spending as much time as possible with the dolphins and carrying out a program of daily lessons to encourage them to make human-like sounds. So while the lab's director um, Bates and do you remember your man with the cigarette? Concentrated <laughs> on animal-to-animal communication, Lovett was left alone to pursue Lily's dream to teach the dolphins to speak English. But even at a state-of-the-art <laughs> facility like the Dolphin House, uh, barriers remained. So this is what <laughs> Lovett, Mary Lovett says. Every night we would all get in the cars, pull the garage door down and drive away. And she remembers, she thought, well, there's this big brain floating around all night. It amazed me that everyone kept leaving. I just thought it was wrong. So Lovett reasoned that if she could live with the dolphin around the clock, nurturing its inter- interest and making human-like sounds like a mother teaching a child, uh, that they'd have more success. So she says, maybe it was because I was living so close to the lab. It just seemed so simple. Why let the water get in the way, she says. So I said to John Lilly, I want to plaster everything. Fill this place with water. I want to live here. And John Lilly said, okay. So, (laughs) so they, so he went so he went for it she began completing so they waterproofed the upper floors of the lab so that she could actually flood the so they flooded the place and they only needed to have three feet of water for the dolphin to be able to get around that Mm. doesn't seem like much (coughs) no it's not Uh, but they had so downstairs was the big tank Mm. and they had an elevator to bring the dolphin up to the next floor (laughs) and then they had three feet of water there that the dolphin's and then Mary Amazing. lived there. So let's see. If we get and did it. she kind of live on a platform out of the water? Yeah. 
There's wow. an there's an amazing set of photographs that go along with this story, and uh, actually she, Lo- Mary Lovett ended up marrying the photographer just as an aside who took those photos. The, it's it's amazing looking. It's so sixties. It's totally surreal. Oh yeah. So she's sitting on one of the photographs on her desk, which is kind of uh, she, it's hanging from the ceiling. Oh, uh, Peter's cool. down below in three feet of water, Whoa. and she's sort of doing her work. And like she is that. also totally dressed like a sixties office woman. Yeah. But she is essentially sitting in a swimming pool. Yeah, so I should say now that Mary Lovett is very beautiful. Yeah. Um, Is her name Margaret or Mary? Margaret, but they call her Mary (laughs) as well. She calls herself Mary. Okay. Uh, So Lovett... So Lovett selected the young male dolphin called Peter for her live-in experiment. I chose to work with Peter, she said, because he had not had any human-like sound training and the other two had, so he was like fresh... So Lovett would attempt to live in isolation with him for six days a week, sleeping on a makeshift bed on the elevator platform in the middle of the room, doing her paperwork from this desk suspended from the ceiling, hanging over the water. So on the seventh day, Peter would return to the sea pool below to spend time with two female uh, dolphins, Pamela and Sissy. So by the summer of 65, Lovett's domestic dolphinarium (laughs) was ready for use. (laughs) Lying in bed, surrounded by water, that first night and listening to the pumps and gurgling away, she remembers questioning what she was doing. Human people were out there having dinner or whatever. And here I am. There's moonlight reflected on the water, this fin and this bright eye looking back at me. I thought, wow, why am I here? Like a lot of this. That's (laughs) cool. Poetic. Yeah. What a ledge. But then you get back into it and it never occurred to me not to do it. So she's kind of delighted with herself. And they, she, this is a genuine science experiment. So a huge amount of audio recordings exist of Lovett's progress. So would you, would you like me to play a little? Mm-hmm. Let me just get this up. Should have done this beforehand. Uh, do you know what? I can't. I'm offline. So I'm just going to come back to that later. Just we'll put it in. Okay. So they were, she meticulously archived all these tapes. <laughs> Uh, so she was trying to get the dolphin to say hello Margaret M was difficult she remembered my name hello Margaret uh, she worked on the M sound event blah 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 yeah when you're listening back to the tapes uh, sorry Mary it ain't working um, <laughs> I can hear that there's an attempt and you know when you're in hot box like when you're doing a thesis or something oh yeah when you're going batshit crazy and you believe and yeah. you've made yourself believe that totally. something's working because it yeah. has to. And you can hear on some of the tapes her being like, that's it, Peter. Uh, that's it. And you're like, no, no, Mary. <laughs> this sounds very familiar to when I try to teach my dog to say, I, to bark, I love you back at me. And you thought he was doing it. <laughs> I thought she was doing it. She does bark like enough syllables that yeah. it could be interpreted. Uh, you can just be alone with your ideas for so long. Yeah. Like, oh, tell me about it so <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for a phone call. I needed to get in touch with this person. And like it was driving me crazy for days on end. And then I thought I'd finally come up with a brilliant idea, a solution, if you will. And I rang Leah and was like, OK, so I'm going to put on a fake voice. And she was like, I'm just going to stop you right there. But like I had just been alone with my idea for so long that calling somebody with a fake accent seemed totally fine. Yeah. So mm. similarly... Mary allowed what's ha- going to happen next just to straight up happen. So for Love It, it wasn't, it often wasn't these formal speech lessons that were the most productive. It was beginning, it's just being together that taught her the most about what made Peter tick. So when we had nothing to do was when we did the most. Just 
even the language there she reflects he was very very interested in my anatomy if I was sitting there my legs were in the water he would come up and look at the back of my knees for a long time he wanted to know how things worked and I was so charmed by it Lovett's teaching continued but there was something getting in the way of the lessons she's trying to she's trying to implicate Peter and say he groomed her dolphins get sexual urges says Andy Williamson who looked after the animal's health at Dolphin House. I'm pretty sure Peter had many, had plenty of thoughts along those lines. <laughs> Peter liked to be with me, explains Mary. He would rub himself on my knee or my foot or my hand. And at first <laughs> I would put him downstairs with the girls, she said. But transporting Peter downstairs proved to be just too disruptive to the lesson. <laughs> Faced with his frequent arousals, it just seemed easier for Lovett to relieve his urges herself. Oh my God. (laughs) Manually. Really? 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 Was that easier? I allowed that, she said. I wasn't uncomfortable with it, as long as it wasn't rough. It would just become part of what was going on, like an itch. (laughs) Just, just get rid of it. Scratch it and move on. And oh that's how God. it seemed to work out. It wasn't private. People could observe it. <laughs> now, it was at this point I thought to myself, what, Jen, what does a dolphin's penis look like? Yes. So, oh, my God, you not know. Well, this is, I typed, tippity typed, what <laughs> does a dolphin's penis look like into Google? Or what? And then Google told me, male dolphins have penises that can swivel and feel like a human hand. <laughs> so you can imagine... Mary shaking hands <laughs> vigorously vigorously with the hand over and over shaped dick of a dolphin. <laughs> like what even does that fucking explanation mean? Oh. So then I image searched it and it looks nothing like a hand, but the hand feeling of it is because it's prehensile. So he, like a dolphin can move the dick around. Like, oh do you know what it God, looks like? Amazing. You know the Denny's sausage ad when the nose smells sausages <laughs> and starts moving. <laughs> All right, back in the room. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot. So good. Where Did was she I? not have any family or friends? <laughs> no, she's been in the fucking dolphin house. It was a disaster. <laughs> oh my she god. Goes like, on, Peter right? completely did a number on her. Well uh, for love it, it was a precious thing, she said. Which was always carried out with great respect. Peter was right there and he knew that I was right there, she continues. I'm but not sure. Hey, it wasn't ahead. sexual on my part, Mary says. Sensual, perhaps. It seemed to me that it made the bond closer, not because of the sexual activity, but because of the lack of having to keep breaking, you know, to send him downstairs to the gals. And that's all that's all it was. I was there to get to know Peter and that was a part of Peter. So innocent as they were, love at sexual encounters with Peter would ultimately overshadow the whole experiment (laughs) when a story about them (laughs) appeared in Hustler magazine in the (laughs) seventies. So Mary hadn't even Not heard the Lancet, of no. Hustler. Oh my God. And uh, she bought up all the magazines she could and she was raging about it. And I tried to find, th- I couldn't find, look, here's a picture. You can find a picture, but I couldn't but get a definition. illustration. Yeah, fant- uh, from Hustler. What, give us the Hustler. Um... Interspecies sex, humans and dolphins. Is I mean, not very imaginative. God. Little Miss Lovett sat in her tuffet, wanking her dolphins away is much better. Yeah. 
So come at me, hustler. So Love had <laughs> brought up, she bought all the copies she could find, but the story was out there and it continued to circulate to this day. It's a bit uncomfortable, she acknowledges. The worst experiment in the world I've read somewhere it was, was me and Peter. Uh, Aww, that's fine that I don't mind sad. but it, that's not the point of it and it wasn't the result of it so I just ignore it so it is sad so it's something else begun to interrupt so this story goes on right because remember that John Lilly guy okay yeah it was the 60s and uh, LS, the government had allowed research into LSD basically and yeah what could it this could be not the for. worst experiment of all time the fucking no, uh, so John Lilly MK started Ultra. Yes, killed uh, people exactly. So t- she was just happily there wanking off her dolphin. But yeah. John then started the sixties. If the sixties wasn't ready to accept some dolphin wank, no, and that's fine. No one but, was. Uh, so John got into he got a grant from the government to study LSD and started microdosing himself along with loads of other people. And then he started injecting the dolphins with LSD. Luckily for oh the dolphins, God. they could they had no perceived reaction to it. But basically, his focus had moved away from talking to the dolphins to just getting high. So eventually, then the lab, Dolphin House, was closed. And this is the sad bit. So Lily, so it was then Mary's job was kind of the setting down and closing doors of Dolphin House. And then the three dolphins got sent to Florida into not to live in not particularly nice place especially Peter really suffered and then Peter ended up committing suicide <gasps> which dolphins are able to do because we breathe auto automatically uh, but dolphins have to choose they uh, kind of it's swim to the surface to breathe they, ha- they have to make a conscious course, kind yeah, of decision yeah. so according to this according to science they can actually commit suicide so so sadly then um Peter died. Jesus. Uh, so I, I well, now I feel bad about the question I want to ask. What is what it? What is it? Like, how do dolphins come? How would she know when? Well, I went deep on this. So dolphins, <sighs> pe- so dolphins' dick, similar to a pig's, has this kind of spiral spiral stuff. Mm-hmm. It spirals. Yeah. Because a dolphin's vagina is a spiral too. Right. So it like corkscrews around. Yeah. But where's what are you talking about the ejac? It was just in the water. But like, how did she like? Because it's not like he went like, oh fuck. Yeah, but surely she. How saw did she know he came? She he yeah she probably saw this Cassie saw spurt doing saw Cassie's miming. Okay. But actually, funnily enough, I I, I kind of went on to look into loads of dolphin stuff. So you know, dolphins have been like I'm sure it groaned or it stopped thrusting or whatever. I'm sure, or she <laughs> saw it coming. So it was all grand. So uh, but then. There's another guy in Florida called Malcolm Brenner who wrote a book, Wet Goddess, in mm. 2009. And there's a 15 minute documentary about this on YouTube. You have to watch it. So I'm going to hotspot my phone now because I just want to play a few bits from this documentary. It's dark. Is it about? It's a brilliant little short. This guy uh, is a zoophile and he identifies as that. And difference between a zoophile and a beastie beast file or a bestiality Beastpedia guy or something. Beastpedia is that zoophiles fall in love with the animals right so uh, hold on there now get just this like hot spot up our uh, Mr. Hans Mr. Hans oh yeah this is Mr. Hans all over this is kind of the femme femme version well this guy speaks in this documentary in kind of exactly he tells a very vivid description and it's a really well produced documentary. It's not like a seedy kind of 
stay with me. But uh, Malcolm Brenner, the original fucking Florida man. I mean, highly bizarre, um, but fascinating documentary. Just it really just that he was so open and, you know, let me bring up the specific bit I want need to tell you about. Uh, <laughs> start at one minute, 24, go to two minutes and three. All right. This might be a bit too intense for the podcast. <gasps> Brilliant. Is anything too intense for this podcast? Hang on now. We'll get the volume up here. Mm-hmm. No. It was fascinating work. It was the early 70s when I was going to New College. I was asked by a woman writer to take some photographs to illustrate a book that she was going to write about the dolphins at Florida Land. It was my first professional gig, really, as a freelance photographer. I met the uh, author at her house in Sarasota, and we took her boat down to Florida Land. Uh, when we got out of the boat, we were standing on the dock looking down at this dolphin. She stared up at us, and we stared down at her, and the writer said, this is Dolly, Malcolm meet Dolly, Dolly meet Malcolm. There were no intimations that uh, this dolphin and I would become lovers eventually. <laughs> so I just just to, just another bit I want to tell you about that you got to watch this thing but uh, for now you just have to listen to these snippets at 3 minutes 37 it's that was a, great it's, it just gets better and better but you got to get in hang on performance so just before he's talking here now uh, this dolphin that he fell in love with did, was like a trick dolphin so he went out to photograph them and uh, the dolphin would do these huge jumps out onto the mm-hmm. so mm. the, all the tourists were on a big ferry and it was like triple story ferry and the dolphin would reach the top so anyway here he goes get in the water with her she would approach me unafraid she would solicit attention I never fed her I never gave her any kind of food rewards her courtship as it progressed got more vigorous and intense she would rub her genitals slid against me <gasps> and if I tried to uh, push her away she would get very angry with me one time when she wanted to masturbate on my foot and I wouldn't let her she threw herself on top of me and pushed me down to the 12 foot bottom of the pool those were the those were the tactics that she was trying on me at first eventually she seemed to get the message that that wasn't going to work she <laughs> became very gentle. She might open her jaws and run her teeth very gently along my arm or my leg, which produced an amazingly erotic feeling to me. Uh-huh. Which I think was her way of saying to me, look, I'm, I'm, I'm very strong, but I'm not going to harm you. <laughs> it just gets <laughs> fucking more and more batshit. Um, does he like put his pee in her V? He 100% does. Whoa. He goes he goes one time and uh he it was the water was too cold and he felt he was being watched so it didn't it wasn't a success. But the second time that he went it was a success and it was the last time he was to see the dolphin. He wasn't caught, but um he successfully penetrated the dolphin and the do- documentary goes along with the amazing uh, um <laughs> cartoon visuals of him oh. and the difference he said they had to try a few different positions and eventually they hit a jackpot oh my god what the what's fuck? so interesting about when he's speaking is him talking about how the animal is courting him yeah and instigating everything yeah oh my god yeah baffled so uh by his book wet goddess <laughs> oh my 
and uh, just it's called uh, Fell in Love with Dolly the Dolphin. So Google that on YouTube, you'll find it straight away. It's sensationally fascinating. But um, that's it. That's my story. Oh my God. There's a few was... like weird t- facts about dolphins. So dolphin, male dolphins masturbate using eels and dead fish. There's footage of this if you'd like to check it out. You can <laughs> yes, I you can do want to check that. that. Um, there was an event in England, Weymouth, 2002. Uh, so basically, in a bizarre, deeply unsettling twist on Jaws, a 400-pound bottlenose dolphin named George briefly terrorized the beachside. No, George wasn't trying to snack on the locals. He was trying to have sex with them. <laughs> <laughs> they are fiendish, these dolphins. So when dolphins get sexually just, uh, excited, they try to isolate a human swimmer, normally female. I don't believe that. Uh, they do this by circling around the individual and gradually moving them away from the beach, boat or a crowd of people, said dolphin trainer Rick O'Barry, famous for training TV's flipper. <laughs> so O'Barry warned George's monstrous interspecial horniness posed a real threat to thousands of swimmers who um, would be descending on Weymouth over the summer uh, because the unwanted attention could easily cause people to drown. Fortunately, uh, George didn't fuck anyone to death <laughs> that summer. Um, <laughs> Did he do it another summer? Well, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Yes. <laughs> well, just who knows? Sophie. Jesus, I'm disturbed so my mum swam with fungi uh fungi's nice though i've swam with dolphins i've never had any bad experiences i need to go and talk to my mom and see if she's okay you should um Um, just in a brief google there because i was i i remembered that this whole idea of dolphins being sexually aggressive to humans isn't is is quite well documented yes and and there is a ranker article here called um Nine uncomfortable facts about how dolphins are sexual assault monsters. <laughs> and one of the facts is Demi Moore was once allegedly the target of a sexually aggressive dolphin. And the story goes in July 2003, um, Demi Moore was the target of a sexually aggressive dolphin while visiting a Las Vegas water park and dolphin habitat with her family. She reportedly had to get out of the water quickly and a spectator was recorded saying, Dolphins are very sexually aggressive and one went for Demi in a big way. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I know. There Horrifying. You well, there I've you... actually Googled an article called <laughs> Don't Be Fooled, Dolphins Are Actually Huge Assholes. <laughs> 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 they are also talking about their proclivities. Apparently they have been known to gang up on females, other dolphins in but the herd. I, I'm right. pretty sure. At a time, extended... Sure. They also they have mating. documents of um, and they murder their own young. Well, fucking their mothers as well. They just sound like humans, actually. Do you know what? Yes. Yes. I think that probably goes with the 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 intelligence thing. This is why we also into each other. Yeah. They are the us of the sea. Yeah. Uh, except that they never sleep. Did you read this one? Oh no! Yeah, mm. they don't. Apparently, they can stay awake for five days straight with no loss of mental acuity, and after missing all that sleep, they don't even need to catch up with a little dolphin nap. There you go. This this concludes so great. Horny dolphins are probably awake while I'm sleeping. Just fantastic. Just waiting. Lying in wait. Thank you, Gizmodo, for that. Yeah. Ah, thank you, Jen. I mean, that was troubling, affecting, weird. I know. So cool. Do you want to hear? I can get this guy. uh, Do you want to hear about his description of fucking... I really fucking do. All right, we'll see. There's nothing wrong with me. Shut up, Cathy. Stop shaming me for it. I want to know. I need to know. 
Uh, I'll be able to tell where P we're at. in the V. P in the V. <laughs> Pull it on there now. Just leave me chanting that alone, why don't you? Oh, here we go. All right, this is perfect. Okay. All right. I can't remember his name. What's his name? Matt Brenner. Brennan. Take it away, Brennan. But just hoping that that would happen. We started a very long courtship that lasted about half an hour. Frankly, it was a little difficult to make love with her. There was no backstop in the water. It's a frictionless environment. She was very cooperative. She was very gentle. She was enormously erotic. Oh, oh! <laughs> several different positions. We found one that worked, which was her floating horizontal in the water and me being vertical, coming into her from the side that way. And that seemed like a whole lot better because I could hold onto her back with one hand and hold and guide my penis with the other hand so it didn't slip out of her. Because uh, we live in the water, the female dolphins. Uh, internal genitalia is a little more complicated than a woman's. Uh, some waterproofing features in there that you might describe as valves. Uh, as we started making love, I felt this just intense uh, sense of merging with her on every level. Uh, there are some bizarre CGI images there. It's genius. This shooting stars. It's really like we stopped being two individual creatures became one creature that was making love with itself. Oh! oh! <laughs> An absolute beautiful oh! line to end on. Oh, I'm oh slow God. clapping that. That is fucking just a genius. That is, that is interspecies What did he say there? It was like we were, we became one creature, one making, creature making love with, with itself. itself. It's oh fascinating guy. Interesting man. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Waterproofing. By the look of it. An amazing little documentary, fifteen minutes long. Ma Malcolm Brenner. I would I go feel as that weird is in my tummy. That is as reckless as the story of the man who penetrated the Henry Hoover. That is as I reckless think, because you don't know. Yeah. Like, aren't there stories no, that like huge fish? What and the it could fuck be. You're it could be <laughs> there could be anything in there. Oh. What in the vagina of the yeah? Of the but dolphin? you don't know yeah, what it's. Geez, you know, it's the, not the made male. for a little it's man the, sausage. It's made for the corkscrew other. What's wrong? Yeah, with like men? it's made for like a fucking real hardy as fuck dolphin dick. Yeah, not your puny little penis. Like what? Did, what was what the dolphin thinking? <laughs> was she just like this? Could be interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I that. would go as far as to like imagine the dolphin was definitely not thinking about having sex with the man that he just misread the signal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there in a limb that I do not think that she was flirting I don't, with that man. But she was. She, she would. She, there's no way she she would have gone along with him. She didn't want to. Do you know that but, way? Uh, sorry. Uh, 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 not to get like interspecies consent debate about it, but. But that's an animal that could kill him in a second in the water. She, no, she could not give her consent, for starters. Absolutely not. Also, no. I feel it. She could not expressly give her consent. And dolphins well, do not excuse understand. Excuse me, but some dolphins can talk. We don't know that Mary Loftus' <laughs> research hasn't resulted in a written consent. She fully has a new name dolphin, now. Dolphin, <laughs> yeah. Dolly and Peter. This audio... But like, I love the way, equally problematic, he thinks that 30 minutes is a really long courtship. 
sorry, but can we just go back to the idea that the dolphin flirted? Where would a dolphin learn to flirt? It's not like they're watching Dolphin Sweet Valley High and they're picking up the social cues. There's obviously some kind of Nora Ephron of the sea who shows them all about cute meats and how it's all going to work out one day if you are the Meg Ryan of dolphins. I think you're both underestimating <laughs> no as if dolphins are just down there in the deep blue sea reading their chick lit novels being like I just can't wait to meet my prince charming the, she is horny and desperate this fucking weirdo is standing <laughs> in the sea she's like Grant he'll do like she's been on her own for ages she's like pff, pff. okay come on alright let's have just at see. me Malcolm let's give this a whirl absolutely horrific but thank you for the thank story thank you Jeez, that was all. like a twofer because Mary, Mary and, and Malcolm. Malcolm. They should have met. And, and just fucked each other. And fucked each other. Let's just two become one. There um, yeah. But it's also... To it's sounds of the sea in the background. <laughs> Is it the weird the noise? door opening noise? Betty wanks to dolphin noises now. Obviously. So Betty dolphin, really sorry, got off in Kathy. the shape of water. As a follow-up, yeah. uh, Dolphin Dolly then went and killed herself as well. But maybe Jesus. not out of loneliness and sadness that they're missing their partners. According maybe to Malcolm, over... she died of a broken heart. Okay, maybe or over the trauma, trauma. <laughs> of interspecies oh, molestation. So, so fucked up. But thank you, Takes Jen. all sorts. <laughs> thank you, Jen. Thank you for. I mean, you were being totally judgmental. <laughs> not of you. No, no. Of Ma- look, Malcolm and Mary had their look. I'm not. These things happen. These things, sure, look, you know, one thing leads to another. That's it. Lonely people, confusion, <laughs> lines blurred, Confused lack of sleep. signals, the dolphins LSD. are underslept. It sounded like they'd introduced the microdosing before Mary Margaret Lovett had finished her experiment. I think, yeah. <laughs> anyway. What? Just his eye looking up at her at night. What do you got Margaret. for me? Anyone else got a bit of juice? I have one. Okay. It's like, probably a midi. Mine is so dark to oh end on. God. Okay, give us the darkness. Mine was pretty. It yeah. is too. It's not I dark, we dark. Although we've become so desensitized to what's dark here, that this is probably deeply traumatic and triggering for people. I'm like, huh, whatever. It's a two. <laughs> it's only a two. It's like a dolphin gangbang. Mm, it's not it's that quite. Level. It's not that dark. Um, no, okay, so this was sent in also by a listener, um, Aoife Casper, and thank you very much. Um, and what I'm finding is that listeners are sending in stories that they already know about, but they just want to hear us discuss them. Well, that's <laughs> what's interesting, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Why are you telling me this when you clearly have watched this documentary? Because we're the... They're spreading the fucking creep love, and we appreciate it. Sure. And it's only $4 a month. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> This is the story. I'd never heard this before. You might have. It's the story of twin sanity. Mm. So. Oh, fuck. I opened this DM as well. No, because it came into the Tall Tales account, which I haven't purposely given you access to. Okay, Swedish? Swedish. Yeah, it came in, I think, to the creep. Maybe somebody else sent it in too. Uh, Anyway, carry on. I haven't. I'm excited. I thought to myself, that's too dark. It's not a two then? Love it. Too dark for me. So the Erikan sisters are two Swedish twins who were involved in a bizarre series of events in May 2008 in England. Ursula, one twin, was living in the US and the other twin, Sabina, was living in Cork. 
Cork in Ireland? Yes. And uh, what age are we talking? Um, them or a year? Like roughly. No, no, them. I will come back to you on that in a second. Okay. So Ursula decided to come to Cork to visit her sister Sabina. Within 24 hours of arriving in Cork, the two decided that they would take a ferry to Liverpool and that they would go over to London. So they got on a ferry and when they arrived in Liverpool, they went straight to the police station to report concerns over Sabina's children who were being left behind with Sabina's partner in Ireland. Huh. Mm. Then the two got on a National Express coach to London where the behaviour became really bizarre. So according to the driver of the bus, they refused to hand over their bags. You know, the way they make you put your bags underneath the bus or whatever. Uh. They refused to hand them over. And they became enraged with the bus staff who were trying to take their bags off them. So then reporting, and no witness has come forward to say that they were on the bus, but reports from the driver said that he made an unscheduled stop at a service station on the M6, M6 in Staffordshire. And then he kicked the two of them off the bus because they were disrupting other passengers and their behavior was erratic and concerning. So they were stranded. What were they doing, Cass? Do you know? I think what kind of thing? I, I don't know, like, because there's been no witness reports from the bus, but I imagine they were just um, maybe shouting, behaving weirdly, refusing to hand over their bags. Um, so the two became stranded on the service station that was on the M6 motorway and they started walking, uh, walking up the motorway. But the motorway is not designed, obviously, for pedestrians. So no, it's not. Concerned motorists passing by rang uh, the police and said that there was these two women walking up the motorway. There's footage of it. There's footage of it. Yeah. So um, the authorities went to investigate. And weirdly, the group of police that were sent out to the scene were being filmed as part of the reality television show Motorway Cops. Oh. One of these like... That's why, it, yeah. Yeah, so that's where, the, that's where the original footage came from that is on, it is on YouTube. Um, so the police came out and stopped the sisters. So it appeared that they calmed down. They were just... They were still like behaving a bit weirdly, but they were walking alongside the motorway. The police came, appeared to calm them down. They stopped. Uh, according to, to reports after, the sisters stood at the side of the road smoking and chatting um sabina was wearing a yellow visor with a slogan saying time to believe on it so they appear to calm down police eased off a little bit but then ursula suddenly ran into the traffic (gasps) where she was hit by a large truck then sabina followed her and she was hit by a speeding sedan (gasps) she was flipped thrown into the air landing in the third lane of traffic oh my god so Ursula, who went in and got hit by the lorry, was um, one of them. Was yeah. So Ursula's legs were really badly injured. Sabina was knocked unconscious for fifteen minutes. They were severely wounded. Police and paramedics scrambled to them to try and help them. Ursula's legs were crushed. Oh my god! And um, yeah, Sabina was unconscious for fifteen it minutes. Must have been like a fucking pileup as well. Yeah. So. Uh, the emergency responders were trying to help the twins but they started becoming really resistant to them and Sabina began screaming they're going to steal your organs and telling paramedics I recognise you I know you're not real right so it seemed like the two of them had gone into a shared psychosis folly do that 
French term where it's a psychosis usually shared by family members where unexplicably two people related, usually related to each other are experiencing the same delusions. What? Is that a thing? That is a thing. But there was no, in the medical reports and the medical assessment after it, they could not establish any delusions. So there's been, obviously you would assume that they're having some sort of psychotic break here, but they were assessed afterwards and it was deemed that they were not. Sabina, who had been knocked unconscious, um, all of a sudden jumped up, punched a female police officer um, who was trying to hold her back from the traffic and then ran into the middle of the road again. I don't think she got hit again, but it took several police officers and paramedics to bring her down. Then the, uh, the sisters were taken to hospital and taken to a mental health facility. Doctors were unable to pinpoint the delusion um, or any reason to why they would continually try and leap in front of the traffic. Ursula, who had been severely injured, would uh, was admitted to hospital, obviously, um, and she would later spend three months in a psychiatric facility. Um, but Sabina was released back into society, I think a day or two later, bizarrely. So just days after... Um, on the 17th of May, 2008, kind of coming up to the anniversary, she was released in. She was released back to the streets of Stoke-on-Trent. Stoke-on-Trent. She was wearing her sister's, Ursula's green top, carrying her sister's laptop and £1,000 in cash. Oddly, it's totally unexplained. Um, And she, as she was walking the streets, she was asking people, were there any B&Bs nearby, anywhere open that she could stay? She encountered a good Samaritan who said that I think who's later introduced her to a friend and said the woman the woman was visibly troubled or distressed and that he was just trying to help her Mm. his name was Glenn Holland said he was a 54 year old paramedic and he actually invited Sabina back to his home for the evening um back at his home he introduced her then to the friend Peter Malloy who also happened to be visiting and they Peter described that uh that Sabina's behavior was completely erratic. Like she'd offer them cigarettes and then as they went to light them, pull them out of their mouths and say they were poisoned. She was like staring out the window and just really erratic. Um, Still, Malloy left then and Glenn invited Sabina to stay the night. Why why didn't they ring an ambulance or... I don't know if it it occurred to them that it was that bad. Maybe they thought she'd sleep it off or... It was that bad because the next day, Sabina inexplicably stabbed Glenn to death. <gasps> stabbed him five times, killing oh him. Oh my God! Um, Another then Cassie she... delivery. Just totally unprepared for that <laughs> little <laughs> nugget. Thank you, Cass. Killed him. Jesus. Or a Glenn. Yeah. After that, she fled the scene, taking with her a hammer from Glenn's house and mm. she was spotted then on a nearby road repeatedly hitting herself with the hammer oh a man God. called Joshua called um, called authorities and said that he, he's witnessed a distressed woman walking down the road hitting herself with a hammer that's so <gasps> disturbing um, sorry just that visual yeah. but he oh he stopped just been in anguish. he stopped and he tried to help her and he tried to get the hammer off him but she hit him on the head with a piece of tile and ran away from him on foot. 
Um, paramedics were called and they started chasing her and she attempted to flee by jumping off a 40 foot bridge onto the A50 motorway and though she suffered but though she suffered fractures who are hitting her I mean that she she, yeah yeah. but she gets so within three days this woman has been hit by multiple cars gets numerous fractures but she survived again right she jumps she jumps off a 44 40 foot bridge onto a motorway and gets a couple of fractures and this is the woman who had been unconscious for 15 minutes jumped off the ground and punched a woman in the face right there's a lot of reports about her superhuman strength that's right totally like inexplicable how you could multiply get hit by cars and not and be fine. Anyway, she was charged with murder. Obviously. So she was, uh, um, she was up in court on, her trial began, began in September 2009, um, but it was stalled in difficulty trying to obtain her medical records from Sweden. She pleaded guilty to manslaughter due to diminished responsibility. And though she, but she never explained her actions and she never explained what the diminished responsibility was, just that she... Wasn't, wasn't yeah, but um, she responded to every question with no comment. Now, bearing in mind that medical assessments of her found her not to be suffering from any psychosis or psychiatric condition. Oh well, that's weird. Isn't her it? her defense team argued this folly de case and said that they had been in this very very rare sort of um shared psychosis. Yeah, even though they found no record of it. Um. But the judge determined that she had low culpability and gave her five years in prison. Oh, my God. What um, became of her sister? Ursula went back to the United States after the incident and Sabina was released on parole in 2011 and nobody knows where they are now. Oh Either of them. God. They haven't been heard from. I, I assume that Sabina came back, potentially back to Ireland to her family. Yeah. Know, oh so she could God. be living down in Cork. Yeah, Jeannie Mackers. Yeah, so you can see that. Fo- I remember watching the footage. Now, what I I don't think it shows the actual impact from memory. Am I right? Cassie? No, I uh, no because it. I think I'm pretty sure it was um, televised. Televised. The instant them yeah. them like you know arguing with the police and and walking down the motorway, but um, no, they sure they wouldn't have shown them running out into no. the into traffic. Yeah. Okay, that's well, I mean, oh, I was going to say happy ending, but no, no. Not, uh, not for George. No. Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> Sorry, Glenn. There are some images of, um, there are some stills of them running into the traffic. Yeah, it's disturbing. The surely the There's this really odd image, yeah, of, of um, Sabina standing, having a cigarette as Ursula runs into the road and she's just like, Casually, casually looking to the side as the other one like darts head first into oh, the traffic. Oh yeah, yeah God, it's de- so desperate mad. looking. Yeah. She looks like she's not even in that moment. Mm. She mm. looks like superimposed in. It's crazy. Sorry, it's that's the wrong word. It's totally crazy. Yeah. Anyway, thanks Cass. Um, that story is totally The story bananas. is bananas. Feels like there should be more, doesn't it? Like, where are they now? I'm just looking at a video um, on YouTube posted by John Hollinshead, who's Glenn's brother. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? No. In your and um, so 
he is basically kind of saying there was a police cover up and that he believes that um there that there was two weapons involved in the murder and he thinks that it's likely that even if Sabina did wield one um the uh that there was another person involved that the that the police don't want anyone to know about. This sounds very interesting. I'm just uh, I'm just looking at it like in real time here. So um God, sorry, hang on. He challenges the official storyline and wants to expose a cover up of what really occurred just hours before her M6 dash. So he thinks that the whole reason why Sabina was released from hospital after only five hours is like evidence of some kind of conspiracy. Yeah, there is a lot of conspiracy theories around this because then in 2012, additional... Um, I didn't co- include this piece because um, mm. I couldn't find any more information about it. So... Um, on the 6th of December so there are a couple of things that are weird the fact that there was no witnesses came forward to talk about it on the bus I'm also like binge watching Line of Duty at the moment so I'm like Ugh. everyone's corrupt but um, there there's no witnesses came forward to say that they were on the bus mm. and the um, the unscheduled stop of the bus was odd as well like they you usually just wait till you get to this next scheduled stop yeah he left them in the middle of yeah nowhere yeah and then the responsibility that it was on the police who were at the scene who calmed them down before the incident Mm. occurred so anyway on the 6th of December 2012 some additional footage was uploaded anonymously to the internet that significantly changed the understanding of the events shot at the same time of the footage that it aired in both traffic cops and then a later um there was a later documentary made about it called madness in the fast lane it shows two police officers stood in the hard shoulder of the m6 after the motorway incident agreeing that the sisters should be given a 1360 clause with the mental health act that means the police can hold a person on account of their mental health as well as having to give a detainee a mental health assessment neither of these things happened um, it is believed that the police requested that the BBC Menton Productions who shot the footage remove the segment from the film, which means that Sabina should never have been released after just one day, mm. meaning that Glenn Hollins, Hollinswood would never have come into contact here. with her. Oh God, so, what a mess. Yeah, final thought on this bit is that uh, they were saying that they, they, some of the conspiracy theorists believe the twins were likely embroiled in some kind of major drug smuggling ring. And that they had been under police observation prior to the M6 incident and had probably been so for quite some time. I mean, who knows? I mean, that might explain why they weren't willing to hand over their bags on the bus. Yeah, or, they were or had no comment, which is no a comment. Bit strange, and even trial. the fer- getting the ferry from traveling yes. by ferry and then by bus to get to London. Yeah. Yeah something and then because they had been under observation and then this fucking whole thing turned to shit why that's when then the police were like oh fuck we'll get them i don't know is that i don't know god (sighs) that's a really troubling one that's a really interesting one that's that's like a half-picked scab cat yeah Mm. there's not there's uh, there's There's not that much about it but there is a couple of other uh, stories of folie that I'll probably get into at a later stage nice that's gonna be your new pet theme is it thank you that was lovely
Oh my god. Uh, Tonight's Sophie. episode so far, I'm shook. In its original, most literal, most impactful meaning. What do you have for us this week? Okay. So trigger warning. <laughs> this whole Sorry, show is a, a little late. That's trigger a little warning. late in the day. Okay. So I have a story. <sighs> Clickbait headline. The catfishing was coming from inside the house. Kind of. Yeah. Kind oh. Of. Is that a is that a is that a spoiler? Nah, not really. Okay. Um Okay, so um we're in the States, where else? In Missouri. And um we're with the Meyer family. So Megan Meyer is born in probably around the same time as you, Cass. No 1994. Way. 1992. Yesterday. <laughs> okay. And she died in the early 2000s, just three weeks shy of her 14th birthday. Oh. She was very close to her mother, um, very close to her whole family, really. They were a tight-knit family. And... Um, she had been quite troubled when she was younger, sort of like in the kind of like eight, seven, eight, nine, ten kind of phase in kind of national, not national school, uh, what high school. No, in America, great is a great school in America. Not oh, like yeah. the okay. first class, second class, third class, kind of. She'd had kind of mental health issues, and she had been cared for by a psychiatrist when she was yeah, like under the age of 10 and um, you know and her family were very like clued into her and clued into what she needed she struggled a lot with kind of self-esteem issues she um, was quite fixated on her weight and she had also been diagnosed with ADD but she was also a really loving bright loving daughter mm-hmm. and sister and she had friends, but she definitely struggled in, fucking, what do they call national school in the States? Uh, grade school. Is it grade school? school? Yeah. She definitely struggled in school anyway. What's with, middle with, school? That's like. Oh yeah, middle school. And what's high school? High school is like from third year on, isn't it? Middle school is like first year and second year. So she was, yeah, she was kind of in middle school. Um, She had elementary school that's what they call it ah yes why yes. are we getting so fi- sorry I'm so fixated on this she basically to think we used to give this shit out for free <laughs> <laughs> so she moved school and it was kind of a little bit prompted by her sort of difficulty making friends and like interpersonal stuff she wasn't quite being bullied as such but she was just fine she was just really struggling and her mom decided right I'm gonna take her out of that school I'm gonna give her a fresh start and so she changed to a new middle school that was near her old um her old school and kind of it was going to be a new lease of life for Megan and at the beginning at the start it all seemed to be working out quite well she was making friends um, she was in eighth grade when she asked her mom if she could open a MySpace account. And so being like, you know, it's like 13, um, Tina, her mom was like, 
yes, you can have a MySpace account, but I'll have the password. And, you know, she basically seemed to be a very clued in mother, which was quite impressive given that it's like 2006. Mm. And like, geez, I barely knew myself how to operate MySpace. My parents definitely didn't know what it was. Yeah. And but anyway, the rules were the rules. And um, Tina would have Megan's password and Megan would have to come to her anytime she wanted to log on. And uh, Tina had, you know, look at all of her messages and everything she was doing on there and it actually sounds like Tina was literally doing every fucking thing right you could do which mm-hmm. is kind of very depressing given what comes next so uh, Megan had started chatting on um, MySpace and she'd always just be talking to people from school until she got a friend request from this 16 year old boy Josh Evans and, and she's 13 at the time yeah she's 13 okay. and um he looks from his profile and stuff to be really cute and she actually like she actually just seems like such a good girl in that she went to Tina her mom and she was like this cute guy has asked to be my friend can I accept him as a friend oh I know and it's so fucking childlike as well like I was such a little bitch when I was 13 like this sounds like a really lovely girl like you know anyway Tina said yes um, she kind of said later I said yes because I knew Megan she's very like yes she's bubbly and lovely but she's headstrong and she might have gone ahead and done it anyway and at least if I said yes this way I was privy to everything that was going on between them and it all seems like fucking top of the class grade A good parenting yeah and which is again it's fucking depressing. so depressing because it's, it feels like oh Jesus we're damned if we do we're damned if we don't but basically Megan and Josh who's 16 years old, start chatting online and they are messaging each other and getting on great and there's like a few weeks pass and Megan's kind of like feeding back little tidbits to to Tina being like, Josh thinks I'm cute and I think he's really cute and like it actually seems pretty innocent. And Tina was reading their messages. She didn't twig anything. It was strange. No, she just thought like, it all seemed totally fine. Like they seemed to kind of revert into kind of a friendly friendship type thing rather than kind of anything escalating. But did they, did, is there's potential that they were talking on other platforms and talking on other platforms? Um, Yeah, I think she she knew that her mother was monitoring her MySpace page. There's Mm. the potential there that she was deleting stuff. I mean, MySpace is so long ago that I forget what the messaging side of it was like. Could you delete conversation? I I don't, don't I don't. Because remember in the early days of Bebo, Mm. it was public comments Mm. on the wall. It was you post on each other's wall. Yeah. And you could maybe comment underneath it. Correct. Like you could kind of I am on MySpace. I'm fairly certain. Because when I first met my husband, it was his MySpace profile that I was... (laughs) Bet into Like fucking Glenn with a dolphin Yeah That's not his name What the fuck's <laughs> his name Poor Glenn's the dead guy okay. Malcolm with the dolphin I was fucking All over that MySpace And constantly Checking Yeah The IMs Or the DMs Or whatever So yeah Maybe she could what, have been what, Deleting what stuff What year are I, we in again 2006 So Which is just before I met Seb Yeah oh. But according to just a quick Beautiful isn't it Um oh. There was, MySpace IM was only introduced in 2009. 
Ah, so it must have been in public. Apparently. Ah. So this is just, going. I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah, so they were going back and forth. They were going back and forth yeah. anyway. And um, Sorry, is MySpace still a fucking thing? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Didn't it, is it or I'm thinking of Bebo was sold and then bought again. Bought back. For like a fraction of... Uh, anyway, anyway. We should have a creep then? type MySpace page. Accessed only by Patreons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, they, yes, were messaging away. Tina and the family basically said like that Megan was in like the best spirits she'd been in in a long time. Like she had a crush, I basically, it seems like. Um, then on the 16th of October, 2006, which is just a few weeks before her 14th birthday, the tone of the messages changed. Uh, it was all around the time of her like planning her birthday party and she was getting all the invites ready to send out. It feels heightened, you know, that kind of like when you're that age, you're so unformed, I guess, that like I remember that kind of shit just seeming to be enormous, enormous. Yeah, yeah like I'm fucking at the new school and I have to invite all the kids to my birthday party. Anyway, she was very upset because Josh had started to be like, I think you're a bitch and I don't really want to be friends with you anymore. And I've heard that you're actually not very nice to your friends. Mm, and That sounds interesting, doesn't it? Yes, doesn't it? So um, she, she, Tina could see Megan was getting really, really upset. She was really affected by this. And it, it's kind of mad because the messages, the tones of them, like it's not like kind of, it's not, it just certainly doesn't start off like kind of your textbook trolley kind of like, you know, really, really over the top kind of like, you should just go and die, you cunt or whatever. Like, it's like, you're not nice to your friends. I've heard that you're a bad person. Okay. All this kind of stuff. And um, Tina was like extremely hassled on the day in question. Basically, she had to bring... Her younger daughter, Alison, Megan's little sister, to the orthodontist. She was having one of those days. It was a mare. I can see it. Yeah. It was me trying to get to the feckin' play cafe before yeah. it closes. Mm-hmm. But not so early that I have to pay full price. Yeah. So, um, Tina was like, please just get away from my space. Just fuck, turn it off. Yeah. I have to bring Alison to the orthodontist while we'll be back. We'll talk about this. It will be fine. Um, she called uh, Megan a couple of times while she was out and Megan was still in bits, like really, really upset. Um, more messages of the I don't know if I want to be friends with you anymore were um, being sent from Josh. And then some of Megan's messages and Josh's messages were being posted like in a more kind of public forum. Um, so um, when Tina called her next, basically by this point, Megan was sobbing hysterically. And when Tina got home, she like rushed home to find Megan still glued to the computer and she kind of lost it and was like, you have to, you know, just sign out. And um, she has, was looking through some of the messages that Megan was sending back in response to these messages. And she was upset because Megan had like been using like bad language Mm -hmm. and Tina was like I haven't raised you to do this like you know they're being mean to you but now you're just giving you know you go you go high you go high Mm. they've gone low you're going low and uh, basically Megan said you're supposed to be my mom you're supposed to be on my side and she stormed off upstairs in that totally textbook Teenage. teenage stomp off 
Um, I still do it myself from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when Ron Mayer, um, Megan's dad arrived home and uh, he where came he? in. Where had he been at work? And Was he her full parent? Yeah. And <laughs> full parent. Well, you know, you get a half and one. He came in and he started talking to Tina and he she was kind of bringing him up to speed on everything. Mm. And the way she describes it, they were standing in the kitchen and she was like in full flow and she suddenly stopped. And she was like, Check on oh Megan. my God. And she ran upstairs and she found Megan dead. Oh God. In the Jesus wardrobe. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 20 minutes. Like less than 20 minutes, what she said, from when Megan walked upstairs. Okay. God. This is very triggery. This is it? very triggery. But I think it's really God. important to talk about it. Okay. What happened then? So basically, Megan had um, died by suicide. Okay. And like, they were just reeling. I mean, you cannot fucking imagine who was the guy who was so he? um initially like in the weeks after like they'd brought her to hospital they tried to she was unconscious and they did get her to hospital she was still unconscious but like there was hope but after 24 hours they turned off the machines on their baby girl. Stop. Oh. Okay. I know it's so fucking sad, but I I mean cuz I listened to an interview with this woman Tina Mayer and I she's a fucking phenomenal woman. In fact, there's hope to be found in all this because of her. No. But like the description, I mean, she, Stop. Okay. Sorry, but like just lose I just there's no loss like yeah. it. I Ob- can't no. it's unimaginable. Obviously yeah. not. And um sorry, Cass. Turn off the internet. Sorry. So Basically, in the initial weeks after her death, like they were just scrambling to find any sense in their days, you know, and um, it kind of started, I suppose their thoughts started to come round to like, why and the, how did this happen? And um, Ron, the dad, found one of uh, Josh's final messages to Megan, sent just like in the minutes before she um, died. Quote, everybody in O'Fallon knows who you are. So O'Fallon is her school. You're a bad person. Everybody hates you. Have a shitty rest of your life. The world would be a better place without you. Fuck. Why was he saying And that? Megan had responded saying, quote, you're the kind of boy a girl would kill herself over. Sorry. Okay. But why was he saying that? Had something happened? Um, why was she a bad person? So... So for weeks after her death, um, one of the neighbors had been trying to contact Tina saying, like, you should go to this kind of group. And Tina initially thought it was like a group grief kind of therapy thing. And she was kind of like, I'm not there. I'm far from that right now kind of thing. And the neighbor was really weird about it and kind of persisted. And was like, no, I, I think that you need to come to this group. And Tina was like, is this about Megan? And she was like, yeah. And so Tina describes how she came to this kind of community center. She thought it was a group kind of initially she thought it was the grief group. And then she kind of thought it was a kind of a community group. Perhaps, you know, they live in small towns. Mm-hmm. There's kind of two little schools. Sorry, O'Fallon is the town where Megan's school was. 
she thought that the community were like pulling together to kind of like make Megan a bit of an issue and like use mm. this tragedy to kind of get talking about um, like teen suicide and things like that. And hence, Laura, I mean, uh, hence um, Tina, Tina was allergic. Yeah. And then when she arrived, the neighbor was like, you know, you've got to sit down. Um, we know who's behind the Josh account. Okay. So it turns out that the woman who created the Josh account was a parent. What? Of one of Megan's friends. Who Megan had slighted or left out or something or? Or just kind of changed schools and oh kind of my God. grown up a little bit. Was that parent in the group? Not in the group. No. No, not in the meeting. But she lived like fucking three doors down. Oh my God. From the mayor family. What a mess. What a fucking bitch. <laughs> Sorry. So. Oh, man. Well, there's that's no sadistic. That's, that is, is, that is sadistic. so fucking. What so was that the reason? Her name is, um, her name is Laurie Drew. And she was in her 40s and she lived uh, with her husband, Kurt, and their teenage daughter, Sarah. And um, Megan Meyer basically had been friends with Sarah and they all just fucking lived down the street from each other. And so during the summer of 2016, so before the um, before October when Megan died, um, Laurie, the mom, I mean, you can fucking picture her, can't you? Became concerned that Mayer was bitching about Sarah, her daughter. That Megan was talking shit about her. I mean. They're 14. Obviously, even if. Like, they yeah. basically probably were. Of yeah. course they were. Who cares? Yeah, Sarah was talking shit. Megan was talking shit. Everyone's talking shit. They're fucking 14 years old. You, bitch, are in your 40s. You're a fucking that, adult. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, anyway. Because she was concerned that Megan was spreading rumors about Sarah, um, they they all decided Laurie, the mom, um, some kind of girl that worked for Laurie called Ashley, who was like an eighteen year old, another child basically, and um, Sarah, the daughter, all got together and created this fake MySpace for a non existent sixteen year old boy with the alias Josh Evans. And they said they, you know, it was to use the account to discover whether Megan was um, talking was so shit sick. about Sarah. I know. And what was the what was Tina's response? I mean, what like what? did Tina just set fire to yeah. the world? Yeah. Um. Can you? Is the is this a police issue? Absolutely, yes. it is. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of it, the trajectory of it is quite interesting. So, um. Yeah, so what had happened was that Laurie Drew had, I mean, obviously, I guess freaked, you know, when things then like took such a dark turn and she couldn't kind of keep it to herself. And she ended up kind of confessing um, to to one of the other neighbors that they had been behind the fake account. And at another point, she basically kind of... kind of summed the whole situation up as kind of a hoax as like a joke oh it was just kind of like a jokey hoax well yeah you would say that yeah after the fact how um, could you fucking live with yourself like oh, i know 
And so then later when police became involved, uh, Laurie told the police that the account was aimed at gaining Megan's confidence and finding out what Megan felt about her daughter and other people. <sighs> so weird. As if it has anything to do with you about it. So the woman, the mother who told Tina the fucking whole truth basically said that Laurie had laughed about it to her and said that she intended to, quote, mess with Megan, a 13-year-old child. So um, from early, initially in early reports, um, the mother, Laurie Drew's name was kept out of the news. And then it was more than a year later that the FBI began to investigate the matter. So I think the Mayer family had kind of been speaking publicly as much as they could about the whole incident because Mm -hmm. like Tina went into action mode and like she said in that interview that I listened to which was really interesting that like basically you know everyone does different things with their grief and she was like and that's not to say that anyone's doing the better or right thing with their grief but what got me through was there has to be a point in all this there has to have been some reason or some outcome that isn't just we lost Megan yeah. And um, so her whole raison d'etre now is talking as much, shouting about all of this as much as possible. And she goes around to schools. There's a whole Megan Meyer foundation in the States that is yeah. all around online bullying and stuff like that. And it's really, really, really fucking good. But anyway, basically, the FBI got interested in the case. And it's kind of like 2007. There is still like revenge porn isn't being recognized as an offense yet there's still so much like that uh, on the internet it's like the fucking wild west it still mm-hmm. is for god's sake and um so the fbi's interest like it seemed quite promising and so they had told the mayor family that they needed to kind of shut up for the time being while they were investigating and um so it was it went to how would you describe it? Let me just get it right. Is it the Supreme Court? Basically became a criminal case against Laurie Drew. Federal it, court. It was was a federal, yeah, yes, where it's the United States versus yeah. Drew. Yeah. And she was charged with violations of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act over the uh, cyberbullying of a 13-year-old. Jesus Christ. And um, she was up for about four different counts. And like apparently like the maximum sentence she could have served was 20 years. But it's quite complicated. The kind of upshot was that the judge felt that there is like and this is near nearly a quote, a near quote, if there is such a thing. He was basically like, there's just so many people lying on the Internet. Yeah. It's near damned impossible for us to do anything about it. So she basically got a fine and a slap on the wrist and has um, to live her life knowing yeah a 13 year old died at her hands yeah yeah well like i think it was like that she had a, a guilty verdict but they kind of didn't um, have didn't couldn't hand send any legislation to yeah yeah charge her with so oh god so fucking sad that like, is extremely sad yeah Jesus. Um, uh, it has, though, it has been a case that's changed laws in um, in different well, states. That's the in Missouri, there's now, like, the cyber harassment law. Yeah. Yeah, but are they prosecuting people? Like, there's laws and legislations, but they're only, you know, 
it's mm. all well and good having them on a piece of paper but if the attitude of the judge and the prosecutors is that there's so many people doing this that we can't deal with it then there's is no, it no effective good. like I think yeah no I agree I think yeah if she had just served some prison time yeah I think that would make people think twice about like the laws that they've written in this case called Megan's Law is like that it's criminalizing the usage of the internet to harass someone or to like repeatedly abuse them and like that I think is a good definition because trolling and all of that has become very kind of diluted from what it ever originally was and in I think that people now we're seeing more people kind of it's such a slippery slope of but yeah I just I don't think that there should be any distinction made between harassment and online harassment anymore because we're always online and we're always connected such an integral part of being that harassment whether it's in person whether it's verbal harassment in person or written behind a screen Mm. it has the same ramifications that the same feelings you get you still have maybe maybe it's not as intimidating because there isn't a physical presence standing in front of you but it still has detrimental effects on somebody's health and health and well-being and long-term effects on their life because yeah so the harassment in the moment i mean you will carry the kind of trauma yeah with you but like if someone's harassing you online that kind of exists in the online space forever for somebody else to see too it's it's almost more invasive as well but because we're always with our devices Mm. and because we're always online in our homes yes exactly you that's in a level of abuse that is violating your privacy and entering into a space that should be safe for you Mm. and to have to think that there are children there are people out there who don't have that safe space because they can't get away from it they can't go into their bedrooms and lock their doors and get away from it we shouldn't diminish the impact of it by by suggesting that it should be a lesser offense because Mm. it's an online thing yeah I i fully agree i fully agree i also think we should switch off the internet entirely it's all around us though i it's think it's in just the air around it We're i think it's just begun. It. i think we all need to move down to wicklow <laughs> we all need to just be one with the earth again well, turn off the internet what becomes of the creep type <laughs> this could be a radio program yeah. hello rte <laughs> oh, where would our we research you, be doing <laughs> something i thought of yesterday um Jesus, thank you that, that was depressing episode was but that was a roller coaster of an episode of i hate what you I do tell you what that me, sophie that i'm not going to sleep for days i know i that know was a four euro sorry three euro 59 cents worth i mean you think content. that's we have you get four of those for the price of a coffee they're not all that meaty is there any i can only think of one thing that costs 350 what is it <laughs> coffee you keep going oh, back yeah. to it for the price it's like of a, a glass of beer like you wouldn't even get a pint for that now these days you won't even miss the 350 is what we're saying yeah you, you wouldn't, wouldn't even you wouldn't even all right we've laid it on thick we have yeah so thanks Patreon, very much patreon.com forward slash the, the creep dive. dive there will be merch there will be tears we'll sort it out please go on there and give what you can we'd really appreciate it follow us on instagram at the creep dive follow tall tales podcast at tall tales so you can hear the other patreon announcements and uh, <laughs> i'm joking there are none um and come back and see us again next and week follow at sophie underscore white underscore I want to get to 5,000, bitch. Fuck, Stop laughing at unreal. me. Um, follow me, I'm Cassie Lorraine. Na- Why is there so many underscores? I just like an underscore. Bye. Bye. Bye.
you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.